Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. everybody and welcome to another episode of the passionate dj podcast i'm your host david michael and in this episode we're going to take a voicemail about motorized controllers i give an update on my home dj setup and discuss how i fit djing into my work life mo dingo tells us about some frustrations he had at a recent mobile gig and we discuss the struggles of lone wolf djs but first a bit of news can you get paid for dj mixes SoundCloud recently announced the expansion of a revenue-sharing program to include artists who, quote, create recorded and live sets, remixes, and other user-generated content. And I defer to DJ Tech Tools for the scoop on this one. Today's news comes as a bit of a shock for most of us who have followed the SoundCloud story. They haven't been the most financially stable of places, although their new SoundCloud Go subscription service is a good indicator that they're being pushed to rapidly monetize. With ads and subscription services in place, SoundCloud has decided to expand a revenue-sharing program originally launched in 2014. The program was first started to allow original artists to get a cut of advertising and subscription dollars, and today is going beyond that to include DJs and producers. A quote from the CCO of SoundCloud goes like this, This will be the first time we've invited DJs and producers who create remixes and sets on SoundCloud to start to be able to monetize and to participate in the revenue that we're generating through ads and subscriptions. Payments will be based on, quote, share of engagement and listening time. Effectively, we suspect this means that the more time people spend on your mix, the more ads SoundCloud can show, or the higher percentage of their monthly subscription that should be attributed to their time listening to your mix. Now, as it stands right now, uh, the difficult news for a lot of DJs is that it's currently an invite-only program. So they're starting out targeting higher profile artists as they start this out like chance the rapper and 21 savage and so um, interesting to see soundcloud kind of taking on this dj segment of their market who has been as of late or honestly for several years now a little less receptive to the moves that soundcloud has made so It will be interesting to see if any DJs have any luck monetizing in this way, and if you have some experience that you would like to share with us. We would love to know how this goes for you. All right, we're going to go ahead and go to a voicemail from James Fruits, who has a question about using software controllers with motorized platters. Yeah, I was calling to see if you had any tips on a controller a software controller with motorized platters similar to the Newmark V7s but something kind of more modern and maybe all in one piece or I'm not sure but uh, something more modern and like is there an updated version of the V7s that have the motorized platters still Hi there, James. Great question. Now, this is a market that's kind of been lacking these days where I really thought a few years ago that this was going to be more of a trend where people were using software controllers that had motorized platters that felt and looked like real wax and basically would react in the same way. But there are actually only a few players in this market right now, and you mentioned the main one, which is Newmark. Now, the V7 is a sort of standalone uh, decks only controller just for our, our listeners who 
may not be familiar. So it's kind of like a CDJ, but it's just a controller. It's a standalone single deck unit. Looks a lot like a CDJ, but it's got uh, a little piece of vinyl, a vinyl disc on top of the jog wheel. And that jog wheel is motorized and has some weight to it and it spins just like a record would. And the idea, of course, is that you can have that look and feel of vinyl be able to scratch and have that torque working for or against you, however you think about it, and you're able to mix in a vinyl-like manner. Now, as far as I know, the V7 has never been updated. However, the Newmark NS7, which is the all-in-one controller from Newmark that has motorized platters, so it's got two motorized platters, you know, one on each side for each deck and then the mixer section in the middle. You might already be aware of this because as I received your voicemail, I saw that you sent it from my DJ controllers guide. So if that's how you found Passionate DJ, welcome. We're glad to have you on board. And uh, that controller guide talks about the NS7 and they actually have the NS7 III out now. So it's been iterated a few times since the V7 came out. It's a really nice controller. It's really big. Uh, it's a four-channel controller. It's got the motorized platters and everything on it. And it's just a massive controller. And so there's a lot of weight to it. And especially if you're putting it in, say, a road case or something like that, which you probably will if you're spending this kind of money on a DJ controller and gigging out with it. And it's this large and heavy. So something to bear in mind there is some cost involved with this you know let me look right now and see so as i look on amazon.com right now the ns7 sells for 14.99 so it's really i mean it's not as bad as some controllers it's cheaper than a lot of pioneer controllers for example but it does have the motorized platters and it has screens built into the device it's got three actually so you've got one for your left deck, one for your right deck for doing various things, and then you've got a stacked waveform display in the middle. There is also the NS7FX, which came out from Newmark, and this is a kind of smaller version of the same thing. It's two-channel, doesn't have all the screens and all that fancy stuff on it. Your basic kind of two-channel controller meant to be used with Serato, but uh, you can save several hundred dollars and some weight by going this route but once again this is an all-in-one option a little more comparable to the v7 is denon's sc3900 now this unit is a couple years old as well but it seems to take all the boxes of what you're looking for it's the same kind of thing where it's a cdj slash media player slash software controller so you can actually do all that stuff but it's got the motorized platter on top with a piece of vinyl and it's actually a really large a much larger rotating disc than what is on the new marks and it's got the oh i don't know what you call it the, the little uh, dots on the side of the platter like you have on a the, the platter of a set of techniques 1200s with the strobe where you can set the uh, the rotation speed and stuff it kind of has those same styling cues and, and looks very turntable-y pretty nice unit i've never used one myself before but it, it looks really nice i like the feature set i've read that it's a little bit light um, as far as not a real sturdy unit but it's not cheap looking either i mean it's a pretty nice controller it's very versatile for one thing like i said it plays cds it plays from usb drive it can be used as a software controller 
or you can even use it for what they call hybrid DVS control. So it actually will output timecode, and then you can use it to control Serato or Tractor in that sort of DVS way, just like you can with turntables. It's a very high torque unit, and it supports Denon's link feature so that you can plug it in with Ethernet cables, just like uh, Pioneer Pro Link does with their CDJ lineup, so that you can share your music source across several players. And it supports Denon's engine software as well, which is kind of the Denon equivalent to Rekordbox. One thing that you may or may not like, it does have the center click for the pitch fader. That's something that I tend to like and most DJs don't. So if you prefer to have a smooth pitch fader for manual beat matching and stuff like that, if you're working right in that real close to that 0% standard pitch range and that click annoys you, that could get in the way. But other than that, it's a pretty nice unit. Uh, you might have some trouble finding it. I looked on Amazon right now and I, I can't even find it for sale directly. So I'm not sure if they're harder to get a hold of or if they are still being manufactured or not. But I'm sure you can find these units out there in the world and it should accomplish this for you. If you're looking for a brand new motorized platter hardware unit, I don't know that that exists right now. But it doesn't seem to be the trend that is generally being followed by DJ hardware manufacturers as it stands. In fact, if anything, we're trending more towards going away from jog wheels and rotating platters and things like that, except for turntableists scratch DJs. So these kind of in-between hybrid setups exist to fill a market segment. But as for anything that's brand new that, say, came out in the past year or two, I'm not aware of any. But if our listeners are, I would love to hear about it. And, of course, you can go to the show notes for this page and post up a comment and let us know if you have any suggestions. So thank you so much for the voicemail, James. We appreciate it. And I'm glad that you found the Passionate DJ Podcast, and I hope that you will keep on listening and be part of our community. Now, speaking of that controller guide for our listeners, you can access that at passionatedj.com forward slash controllers. And this is where I break down my controller recommendations for three different price points for DJs looking for all-in-one units. And we also spend a little bit of time talking about modular units as well. And we have an update coming for that soon. This is a guide that I update several times a year, and it's about ready for a spring 2017 refresh, so stay tuned for that. And I'm going to get in there and edit it for, if for no other reason than to add the Denon MCX-8000 before you all murder me. Now, I wanted to take a comment really quick from Old China Hand. This comes from my guide on PassionateDJ.com called How to Become a DJ. He says, I am really interested in DJing, and I love all kinds of music. I used to create tracks using software when I was younger and got out of it because it didn't seem to fit in with, quote, the real world. Not sure what that means. Fast forward to today and I live in China, working entirely online with UI, UX design and make a very good living. I love all aspects of art, but music has probably been the most pure for me. Here's the thing. Being a foreigner in China would make getting DJ jobs really easy because I'm a foreigner. It would be really easy to build a brand, and start out as a beginner. It could also be extremely interesting to mix traditional Chinese music into something more modern. Did you ever transition into DJing from something else into a totally full-time career? 
If so, how long did it take you to make the full transition, and have you ever stepped out of it because it wasn't working for a period of time? Okay, so not quite, but sort of. I think I can speak to this in a way, because I've never actually made a f- what you would consider a full-time living from DJing. As I record this, that's never been something that I've done. In other words, I've never paid my bills by having a DJ residency or a DJ business. It's been somewhere between hobby and supplemental income for my entire career. Now, what I have done, I used to be in a traditional 9 to 5 type full-time office job. I had a, an IT career. And I've been out of that for gosh, 3 or 4 years now because I I'm very entrepreneurial and I've always had this desire to kind of break out on my own, start my own businesses, start my own brands and do my own thing so that I can A, spend my time doing things that I find interesting and enjoyable and B, to have flexibility of the time that I spend working so that I can use it for other things like my music or hang out with my family and things like that. What I ended up doing was building a series of small businesses, which I'm still in the process of doing. It's it's not like I just was like, well, I'll just start some businesses and go. It's um, something that I'm struggling with still. Um, it's it's uh, it's a hustle, right? So building these, you know, I have an online retail business. I've got Passionate DJ and a few other things that just take up a lot of time, and I'm trying to split it up between all those things. And so one thing that I have really struggled with personally is time management. And so if you scroll back a few episodes and listen to our episode called Advice for Busy DJs with Day Jobs, that's where that episode comes in. And it might be helpful if you're having trouble with time management. Um, It doesn't necessarily, you know, being a DJ doesn't mean that you have to be only a DJ. You can scale this to whatever level that you're comfortable with. Um, So in other words, this doesn't have to be a full-time job and it doesn't have to be just you playing in your bedroom. It can be, it's scalable to just about any extent as, as much as any job or hobby is. So to answer your question about how long it's taking me to make a full transition, um, you know, it's it's not as black and white for me because I've never I went from a full time job to being a small business owner, and I've been DJing the entire time through that. So it's something that for me is just something that I'm constantly working to make make sure that I I have my time management <laughs> squared away because it becomes really easy for me to spend all day scurrying and building businesses and trying to make sure my bills are paid and then go to the DJ thing and passionate DJ and spend all my time on that. And the next thing you know, I'm not spending time with my family and I'm not doing things that I need to get done. And so as long as you have, you know, a a good uh, head on your shoulders as far as how to manage your own time and don't get obsessed with it, you know, like I said, you can scale this to to whatever level you want. And if you're making a a good living, doing UI UX design, you don't have to bail on that. And in fact, that type of job usually, you know, fits well for people who do telecommuting jobs and contracting and stuff like that. And so for some people, it's just the idea of of building around, you know, building your work life into your lifestyle. 
and these quote-unquote lifestyle businesses and lifestyle careers are a lot more popular and a lot more accessible and available today than they were even five or ten years ago. So it's all about finding what fits into your lifestyle and you know there might not need to be a transition. Um, not everybody has to up and quit their job because they want more time to focus on on music stuff. And if I hadn't already wanted to be out of corporate life for 13 years, then I probably wouldn't have either. You know, I would have stuck with it and kept on building my career. So, and, and I would have still been DJing and still do, been doing passionate DJ this whole time. So, find what works for you. Find the rate that works for you, and go back and listen to advice for busy. DJs with day jobs, and hopefully that will shed some light on this subject for you. And thank you so much for the comment, and hope you'll stick around and become a listener of the podcast if you're not already. So thanks from Old China Hand. Now quickly, we're going to go to Mo Dingo, who wants to tell us a little bit about a mobile gig that he recently performed at and some struggles that he had while doing so. What's up, passionate DJ podcast nation? This is Mo Dingo kind of wanted to share some thoughts with you after a event I had tonight. I had the opportunity to play a corporate gig. I guess you could say it was an advocacy group, so to speak. And it was a regional convention. They just asked me to come play some music when the person that reached out to me talked to me about the gig. He just basically told me that the theme was going to be that of a speakeasy and that he just wanted me to play some music and uh, after the meal just uh, allow people to dance and hang out and so when I got there and I set up uh, the crowd was pretty diverse as I noticed them rolling in anywhere I could say from probably late 20s to around 60 ish again you know the bulk of the people being in that later half of the demographic so with it being a a speakeasy theme you know I was just sort of playing some kind of cheated and I found a speakeasy uh, soundtrack type deal and it was something I found on iTunes it was probably like six bucks but it had about an hour's worth of music so I just played that in the background for them you know they had a photo booth and they had you know all kinds of cool props that people could take pictures with and I would just kind of laying some tracks down for a backdrop of that and I think uh, the people appreciated because it, it kind of set the mood for the whole theme of the night so as the night went on and played some games and there were some speeches and stuff and also some announcements they kind of turned it over to me at no real specific time but you know a couple of people started asking me to play some songs they could dance to you know the good old line dances so you know I started playing some of the the music that they were asking for and the room I'd say was probably about a hundred folks or so and the one girl that asked me to play some music you know I played what she asked and her and one other girl got out and danced. I'd say the one girl was in her late 20s. The other girl that was with her was probably in her 40s. You know, I played a couple tracks for them. And, you know, they kind of sat down. So I figured I'd play some, switch things up, play some pop music, some contemporary radio stuff, uh, and nothing. So then I played some stuff from the 2000s, nothing. 90s, nothing. 80s, nothing. The same two girls got up, you know, and asked for some, made some more requests, and I played some more songs for them, and they would dance, and then after a little while, they would sit down. So at this point, I'm kind of getting a little frustrated. Even played the cheesy stuff and no bites. And so at this point, I'm kind of digging. I don't know what's going on. Kind of getting irritated 
to a certain extent, and well, but more so frustrated, I guess, is probably a better way to describe it. But when I started to look at around the room, I kind of realized something. I think it had to do with what they were there for. And what I mean by that is when I looked around, you know, I noticed there were people laughing and, and talking and they they were smiling and they were having a good time. I noticed a couple of people like chair dancing and stuff like that or people standing in their immediate areas near their tables and kind of dancing with friends, but not so much on the dance floor. And that's when I kind of realized what my role was. Although the coordinator that I reached out to me, you know, he had mentioned dancing specifically. That's not what, what they were there for. They, they were more there to be with each other because what I didn't realize is that a lot of these folks had traveled from out of state to come to this convention, you know, some as far as three or four states away. And they were just enjoying each other's company because after talking to some of the folks after I'd broken down and was sitting down having some drinks with them, you know, so for some of these folks, this is the only time they ever get to see each other is at these particular conventions because these are held annually with this particular organization. Some of these people, you know, have worked together in the past or they met each other through conventions or through other networking sources. So I think it was just, it was more of an opportunity for them to just catch up. I think once I realized that, I became less frustrated because I didn't have anything to get frustrated about. And once I kind of tuned into that, it totally changed the direction that I went with the music. I just, at that point, tried to create a backdrop to uh, facilitate their conversations and their good times and their smiling and, and laughing and just try to create a, a warm feeling in the room to enhance the evening for them. Uh, at the end of the night, several of the people came up and thanked me for playing a good selection of music. Well, it wasn't by choice because I was just fishing, honestly. And several masks for my business cards that were local and, you know, asked me how far I was willing to travel and things like that. So at the end of the day, what the organizer had in mind for the night was completely different than what the audience obviously showed me what they wanted. I had to put my frustrations aside and not try to impress them with my skills. I had to realize that I was there for them instead of them being there to see me. Overall, it was a real interesting night and a great exercise in crowd reading. And for me personally, it was a good lesson in uh, being patient. So some big takeaways for me. Don't get frustrated. I really had no reason to. Uh, I just arbitrarily did because in my mind, they were there to dance and I was there to get them on the dance floor. And obviously that wasn't the case. And once I calmed down and realized that that's not what they wanted, I was able to I think give them what they wanted, evidenced by the feedback. Overall, I had a great time. Got to dress up a little bit and have some, have a good time. I had some good food, networked a little bit, uh, met some more people. And overall, I think it was a great night. Well, I'd be able to tell you know, if they asked me to come back for future events, but don't get frustrated, guys. DJing isn't easy. Well, it's not as easy as people say it is to be a professional and when you have passion about what it is you're trying to do for other people when you're providing DJing as a service it can be kind of difficult so stay calm be patient like Dave and Tony always say be patient this is the dingo coming to you from Dave's basement 
No, just kidding. I'm not in Dave's basement. He actually let us free. We made the number of soccer balls he needed us to, so we're all good to go now. We get to see some daylight. But um, as always, thanks for your support. Thanks for the love, and uh, we love you guys too. Hope you keep listening, and send us a voicemail. We love hearing how you guys sound and being able to directly give you feedback on your questions. Later, guys. Okay, thank you so much, Mo Dango. So for those of you who follow us on Facebook, Mo, who is a usually a co-host on the show and also our director of community outreach, he occasionally posts from our Facebook fan page, and he made a post a few days ago, which was a picture of him with a post-it note over his face that said send help and he's making this crazy shocked face and made a post about how I was keeping him, Trip and Tony locked in the basement to make soccer balls and that's why you guys haven't heard from him in a, in a while so <laughs> get back to work <laughs> so it's uh, it's it was really interesting to hear the story from Mo because I can definitely relate to it and I really like the lesson here which is there's a difference between a service based DJ set and a performance-based DJ set, you know, there's a different context to take those in, and a different type of gig is going to have a, a different type of result depending on how you perform it. So, in other words, what most seems to have uh, discovered in that particular scenario was that even though the person who hired him for that gig had a particular vision in mind for how it was going to go, they don't know everything and neither do you as the DJ and that also on top of that a crowd rarely knows what they want uh, they know what they impulsively want that second but they don't necessarily know what's good for the night as a whole or how the decisions that uh, for instance a DJ makes in a scenario like that can affect the entire night and how it can have positive and negative connotations or uh uh, implications for the event at large and so when people come up to you and they start requesting things and saying I want to dance and doing different things it, it's worth stepping back and saying does this really fit the theme of the night does this fit what the rest of the crowd wants is this just one really excited person that wants to hear this song you know and, and should I let that skew the decisions that I make for everybody here or, you know, sometimes, especially if you're working in bars and things like that, it's a it's a drunk person. You know, it's, I play my song, it's my birthday. And, and you get that person coming at you, and, and you could be playing a lounge gig, and this person's like, play Lil John. that was my jam back in the day. From You know, and, and you have to just deal with those kinds of people. It's not always that, though. You know, like in, in Mo's case here, they seemed like, you know, perfectly nice people, and they just wanted to hear some music and thought that they wanted to dance, but they heard their song, they got their little small win, and then they just kind of went back to doing their thing, and it kind of required Mo, uh, it sounds like, to to uh, tap into that humility to realize that, hey, these people aren't here to see me. You know, this isn't the same as when somebody goes to a club or a bar to dance and hear music and do this you know this was this was a different type of event and mo was providing an atmosphere for it this was a service he was offering for that show he was providing atmosphere he wasn't being a performer and luckily mo's smart enough to know that and to pivot 
when what he's doing is not working. And it turned into a positive situation where he was able to actually get some contacts and possibly is going to land some future gigs because people probably saw what he did as far as, you know, making a soundtrack appropriate for the night. And even though those people weren't necessarily vocal about it during the time, you know, a lot of people in those kind of scenarios, they don't want to interrupt the DJ. Hey, he's working. He's doing his thing. I, I don't want to be rude. You know, people feel differently about that depending on their personality types and, and what they know about DJs. And so it might have taken until the very end of the show for somebody to come up and talk to you when they thought it was appropriate and say, wow, I really like what you did here. By the way, I do such and such and would love for you to come play for me sometime. So that's a pretty cool story and really appreciate you sending that in, Mo, and for the lesson that's there for all us to pay attention to and to realize that we're not the only people that exist in the room when we're DJing. And that crowd reading thing is something that we hammer home, but we often talk about it from a nightclub perspective. And when it comes to something like a corporate mobile gig, it requires a a different approach and it requires you to know when to listen to that one person in the crowd and when not to. Okay, on to our main topic. I want to talk a little bit today about the struggles of lone wolf DJs. So what does that mean? Here on the Passionate DJ Podcast, you know, normally there are several other people here in the room with me and we're talking about either our local scene, which happens to be in Dayton, Ohio, or in America in general, even though we have a worldwide audience, you know, we try to speak to what we know and share our perspective with the rest of the world. But we have each other here to do that. We're involved in a local scene, and there's a community here, and it's small, and there are struggles there, but it's there. So we try to share all this stuff because we feel like sharing that perspective will help other people who are in other smaller cities you know, we, we might not necessarily, or at least I personally, can't really speak to what it's like to try to promote yourself as a DJ in, say, New York City, okay? But what I do know, and, and I'm, that comes with its own unique set of hurdles, and I have some guesses as to how that goes, and I can reach out to people and ask how that goes, and I'm sure that that's, you know, some topics that we'll dive into in the future here on the show, but what's hard to realize is even though our situation you know we're trying to stand up for for the underdog and share some perspective and show how we're doing it not everybody even has what we have a lot of people listening to the show right now are just they became interested in DJing or or in the music through some means online or through a friend or something like that but they're not involved in quote unquote the scene and they don't go to shows frequently in their town. Maybe you live in a rural area and you don't have access to stuff like this. You can't just go to a nightclub and listen to house music or go to a a classic hip-hop show or something like that. There's a lot more sparse population out in, you know, when you live out off some country roads, and even if you did want to, you know, drive into the city, if you live an hour or two away from it, those little hurdles really make it difficult to promote yourself as a DJ and to get involved in a scene. And so that's what I want to talk a little bit about today is what if you're just a lone wolf? What if you don't have a local community? Uh, You don't have a, a network per se to reach out to and to help you to get something going. 
here's some of the struggles that lone wolves have. The first is obvious. It's just hard. You know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot more work than when you have other people also doing stuff all the time. Uh, you know, a town like ours will often struggle with only a few people are doing the work, but a few people are a lot more than just you. You know, you get two or three people doing something, and there's a certain synergy that starts to happen, especially if they all share a similar mindset and goals and work well together. And so you can kind of help build a scene around that if that's what you're trying to do. When you don't have anybody to, to lean on and and nobody's leaning on you and you don't have that camaraderie, it's just you tried, You have to take it on all yourself, or at least we tend to because we don't know what else to do. We did an episode a few weeks ago called The Eighth Day of the Week with our friend Mike Donovan who runs a show here in town called Volume. It's a series and was just getting ready to do volume 14, I believe, which was canceled, unfortunately, Roy Davis Jr. And volume is actually, and this is probably the first time a lot of people are hearing this, especially if you do happen to be a local listener who tunes into the Passionate DJ podcast, and volume is on a temporary hiatus. You know, Mike has really had a lot of trouble running this on his own. And even though he is involved in a local community and does have a lot of support and and all that kind of stuff, volume really kind of runs as a one-man show. It's kind of a lone wolf thing. That's not to say that nobody helps him. His wife is there almost every gig working the door. Uh, you know, he's got people who set up gear for him you know, that kind of stuff. But in general, Mike plans the shows. He books the headliner. He squares away all of the writer requirements. He designs the flyers. He promotes the show. He does all that stuff on his own. And he's also a husband and father and has a career and a business. And so it's it's difficult to run that by yourself without a, a team team the way that we do here at the passionate dj podcast where everybody's got their own little specialty that they're focusing on if you're a one-man team and you try to take it all on yourself then you have a lot of control and you can make a really special and refined product but there's a lot of overhead for one person right and so this is something that has forced mike to put volume on hold for the foreseeable future and so this is something that is really on my mind right now because if you've listened to the show before, Volume is a very important series to me. It's a deep house show in a small town um, and in a small town where I started out not being able to find any kind of dance music at first, let alone terrific, classy deep house in the way that this series has delivered. So, you know, it's it's hard. You know, Mike ran into a situation where he uh, ruptured his Achilles while playing soccer late last year, and so he needs to recover from that. So it's been hard for him to get around and combine that with, you know, only having the financial risk put on one person, and it's really difficult. And so that's one thing that you might deal with if you're a lone wolf DJ or promoter. Doing it all by yourself is a lot of work and it takes a lot of drive. The other thing is that useful feedback is at a premium if you're a lone wolf. If you're just a DJ that exists in a vacuum, it's hard to get it's hard to get feedback 
if you're part of the biggest, most active DJ slash dance music community ever, because there's so much noise out there, right? And we've talked about this over and over again. And so if you're just screaming into an empty room, then of course it's going to be hard to get feedback. So that's another struggle that you deal with. When you're just one person, that means that the idea factory is a one-man show. You don't have that back and forth bantering to come up with ideas. When we get together for Passionate DJ Podcast as a team, we start going back and forth and we come up with ideas that are spawned out of our responses to each other. So one conversation for 30 minutes with four people could spawn 100 ideas. But when you're just one person, we tend to just kind of get stuck on one thing for a long time instead of getting a little bit of perspective that kind of stimulates our brain and makes us think in a different way and come up with a new idea or find a new opportunity. Another struggle of Lone Wolves is that you have a much smaller data pool to base your decisions on. You have less or smaller crowds to observe to kind of know their habits. You know, in the dance music scene here in Dayton, for example, we happen to know that there's a certain pattern about how people show up and leave. We tend to be a late town as far as people don't come out very early. And there's not a whole, you know, people tend to leave before last call and they tend to, I don't know what it is, there's an intense couple of hours there in the middle where everybody's there and down and then they're gone. But we have that data pool. We've observed that long enough that that we can tell that that happens in certain occasions. Uh, Just as a, for example, when you don't have... DJ gigs and and places to go, you don't really know how those demographics and those crowds are going to react. And so you have to start from zero. When you're a lone wolf, you have limited promotional power. You know, we talked a little bit about how Three Dimensional promotes their shows, and they get everybody involved in the show, whether they're playing on the bill or a sponsor or working with the event in some way they tend to get everybody into one big group message and they do a launch of the event so whenever they post you know they post it on facebook and they get 10 or 20 people that are involved with the event all to post it at the same time and that kind of helps spike the facebook algorithm and so on when you're just one person you're just one person right so you don't you can't really have the same kind of reach especially when it comes to social media if you don't have other people working with you to help make that happen you also have a lower chance of having an in somewhere you know having somebody that will either give you a good opportunity whether that's a dj gig or a a, you know a new venue to work with or something like that you know you have less chance of knowing somebody who you can borrow gear from or you know, all this kind of stuff that makes it way harder. You know, when you're a one man show and you don't have a community of people to interact with, then it's hard to find those people who you can work with and, you know, for that mutual benefit. So, bearing all this in mind, all these struggles that these kind of random lone wolf DJs out there have, here are some tips that I can recommend to help with this. The first is, The best thing you can do in most cases in this scenario is to forge a unique path. You kind of have to blaze a trail in a scenario like this because 
one doesn't exist already, seemingly. So the first thing is to go try to find it if you can. But, you know, if, if you live 50 miles from the nearest anything, then that's pretty easy for you to do. So the first thing you'll have to do is go and find where your target's going to be and how far you're willing to go with it, assuming that you're even looking at a local scenario at all. Your path could be starting a radio show or a mixed series or a live stream or a passionatedj.com type of brand to help give you a place to focus this energy and to expand your reach into uh, more of the global community because if you simply flat out don't have anywhere to perform, which I find hard to believe, I think it just takes some creative thinking, but if that is true, there's still the internet, so which opens up zillions of possibilities, right? So you have to find what your unique path is going to be. You're, you can't just follow in somebody's footsteps. You can't take anybody's handouts. You just have to be the one. You have to go and do it, and you're going to have to go out and screw up a bunch. You know, when I first got involved in DJing, there were seemingly no places that were playing the type of music that I wanted to push. The rave scene had died out and was and the the dance music thing was just in a huge slump. College hip hop crowd was pretty big at the time, but that wasn't what I played. And so I started throwing my own shows. That's how a lot of people get started as a promoter. There's nowhere else to play, so I'll make the show and then I'll play it. And that's what I did. And so I, I went to little dive bars that didn't have anything going on, and I said, hey, I noticed that you don't have much going on on Thursdays. How about I try this thing for you? And that's how I got my feet wet. And the nice thing about doing that is they don't have any big expectations, right? Like if it's your first time putting something together or it's your first time playing somewhere or your first time with a new kind of sound, you bring it to a place like that that... Uh, I mean, you you don't you got to be careful, right? Like you don't want to go to the worst, scariest dive bar ever, where you know they're gonna hate you and it's violent. And <laughs> okay, like let's let's be reasonable, okay? But going somewhere that doesn't have anything going for them, at least on that particular night, or if you can find find a little slice of something, you know, a little slice of time they're not doing anything with, and if you can come up with a way to put a couple more people in that venue they're going to start listening to you and so and you do that on a very small scale you do that a couple of times and then you either grow what you're doing at that place or you if it's not working there you go elsewhere try the same thing or you could go wider you know you could try to do two different things two different nights of the week in two different places you know there are any number of approaches but you're going to have to do it yourself nobody's going to hold your hand Nobody's going to, you know, you're not going to be able to ride anybody's coattails. You have to forge that unique path. You also need to learn your market and build to suit. So in other words, as a lone DJ out there doing your thing, finding music online, listening to different styles, trying to develop your personal style at home, it's easy to get stuck in our own heads, right, with what we want to do. If there's no market in your town for happy hardcore and you're obsessed with happy hardcore, you can be as obsessed as you want, but you probably can't throw a happy hardcore show in your town. 
So you're going to have to find some other way to do that. Either by changing your sound or doing something online like we've discussed. There's going to have to be some give and take if you want to play in front of people, if you want to have listeners, right? So learn your market and build to suit that. It's also important to fully realize your ideas and drive them home. A lot of people tend to, especially creative types, tend to come up with lots of cool ideas like, oh, maybe I can play this kind of cool gig at this uh, little retail shop or maybe I can play this little festival and do this. And they come up with these ideas but never really just drive it home. And ideas are not that valuable. Ideas are a dime a dozen. Everybody has ideas. What you do with those ideas is what matters, right? So you could come up with the best idea ever. You could come up with the next PayPal or the next Amazon or whatever, but who cares? That idea doesn't mean shit. So what are you going to do with that idea and how much energy are you going to put into that idea to actually drive it home? Now, that being said, it's also important to know when to let something go and when to try new things. There's obviously a balance here. You don't want to spread yourself too thin and just be trying random new things all the time. You know, you've got to give yourself time to collect some data and some time to build an audience and, you know, or it, court your audience. You know, it's it's like dating. You, you don't try to close on the first date, right? So knowing when to try new things and to pivot, but also knowing when you've got something working and you need to drive that idea home and get that motivation to just push through if you're the only person doing that then there's in a lot of ways it's actually a lot easier because you're not competing with a whole bunch of other people you know you're a lone wolf and so if you are the first person to get your foot into a good market and you can find a niche that you can just hammer down then you could possibly use this as an advantage and one other thing that I would suggest is to consider investing in a decent portable sound rig because you might have to go mobile sometimes even if you're not a mobile DJ quote unquote if you don't do the wedding thing or the corporate thing or what have you if you have a halfway decent sound rig you can find some creative opportunities to make your own DJ gigs so it's not always going to a nightclub and starting a show for a particular kind of sound or style sometimes it's just finding a place that would be better if there were a DJ playing music there. It doesn't it doesn't have to be even a bar or a restaurant or a brick and mortar establishment. It can be a one-off event. You know, maybe there's some convention that comes to your town or some whatever kind of swap meet, whatever kind of special event. If you can f- find a way to work the kind of music that you want to play into an event, that happens in your town that's not necessarily a music event, those can sometimes be not only the most enjoyable gigs but the most lucrative ones because you can charge what you want because nobody else is doing this. It's your market. Now that being said, it's also important to know when you should buy or hire your way out of something. You know, if you're just too overwhelmed, then you're going to 
you're going to go at wide open throttle for a while and then you're going to stop and you're going to give up because it's just too much or it's too frustrating or you're not seeing the results that you want. And that's because it's hard to get things done without a team. And so if you find yourself struggling to be that jack of all trades, you know, you can't be the the DJ and the promoter and the door person and the designer and the sound tech and do all that stuff by yourself forever. It's just not sustainable and you're going to learn to hate it. So there's a certain point at which obviously you have to bootstrap it, right? When you're starting something out, but there's a certain point at which you have to just know that it makes sense to buy your way out and, and, you know, pay your little brother, you know, 50 bucks to collect money at the door or whatever it takes to get that done. Get a little bit of help from somebody that you trust, even if they're not a DJ or a music person or a scene person or whatever you want to call it. You, you still know people. And if you have people who are in your corner and willing to help you out, then they can help be a part of that community that you are trying to create. And then my final suggestion would be to reach out to the online community because even if you don't have a local community, it's a whole new world out there for DJs. And there are a lot of people out there, there are a lot of DJs out there who feel the same way that you do. If you're a lone wolf DJ, you're just out in the middle of nowhere or you just can't, you don't, nobody likes the kind of stuff that you like, you know, your sound doesn't work in your town, quote unquote. I've heard that a number of times. There's an online community now, and Passionate DJ is definitely here for DJs who feel that way. So if you would like to ask questions, you can post them on our show notes for this podcast's show notes or on any episode in the future. You can leave comments on our blog posts or on our SoundCloud page. You can tweet at me, at DJ with Passion, and you can always leave us voicemail by going to PassionateDJ.com and sending us voicemail. We would love for you to be a part of the community with us because, after all, we are together becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. Thank you guys so much. This has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. We will see you next week. All you lone wolves out there, take care. Keep on spinning no matter what. And if you need some advice, you need any help, or you just need some people to banter with, Passionate DJ's got your back. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. Oh.